In this episode of The Full Nerd, AM... Ah, dang it, I screwed that up. What was I going to say? Here we go. In this episode of The Full Nerd, AMD talks Radeon RX 6700 XT. Welcome to the... Ah, I screwed that up because uh, I can't hear Adam for some reason. Welcome to a special edition of The Full Nerd. I'm your host, Gord Mong, with Brad Charkas. Hello, Internet. Special guest, Scott Herkelman of AMD. Hey, everybody. And Adam Patrick Murray is controlling the audio and vertical today. Uh, yeah, and hopefully it doesn't crash. Uh, but, I, Scott, thank you to be here. I, I got to tell you, this is, this is a special occasion because this is the very last time I'm going to be streaming from, from this, uh, this apartment. I'm, I'm moving, so, you know, got everything moved out and, you know, glad, glad to have this be the last one, Scott. Okay, well, good. Hey, you knew, you do know if you move, that picture's coming, going to be sent to me then, because you need probably to create some space. <laughs> yeah, want that picture know, behind uh, you. No, sorry, these are limited edition. Only only fans of the show can uh, can buy these ones. Uh, just kidding. Hey. Just kidding. We'll, we'll get one. We'll get one. Uh, Wait, but, are you going to make a uh, non fungible token out of that in Solitaire? <laughs> oh, NFT. There you yeah. go. That's a good. How do you idea. know it's real well, until we get? Yeah. How do you know it's real until you get an NFT? Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know what is real. The RX uh, 6700 XT, right? That's right. That's right. You, and by the way, uh, thank you, gentlemen, for having me on today and um, talking to your audience. Uh, we're, we're, we're very excited about this launch. Um, you know, it's important for us to keep putting more new GPUs out into the marketplace. Um, you know, in this segment of the market, 1440p, it's, uh, we've been planning for this for a long time. And obviously, uh, there's a lot of demand in the marketplace right now, and I'm sure we'll get to the questions. Um, and we've been reading a lot of reviews today, and we, we hear we hear quite a few questions from the community and t- across social media. So um, I'm happy to try to address those as much as I can today, anyway, for everyone. Can awesome. I go first, Brad? Mm-hmm. So my question, Scott, which is a little unusual with this launch, but we're seeing launches and then on sale dates the day after, right? So that you can't actually buy the 6700 XT until tomorrow. I hope I didn't get that right. Yeah, no, you got it. You, you got it right. And this was a commitment, um, I think, through Reddit, uh, almost at the 5700 XT launch. I couldn't quite get this done for um, the 6900 and 6800 XT, but our commitment was a lot of the readers were saying, hey, look, can you make all the reviews happen the day before so we can read the reviews, go through all the data, and then the next day have them on sale? So I couldn't quite get that done the last launch, but uh, we really strive to do that this launch, which is give everybody a heads up, give them 24 hours come through all their favorite reviewer website data and uh, make a decision, hopefully uh, for the best interest of what they want to do with their gaming I, rig. I actually, I think that's incredibly pro-consumer and I applaud you for that. Uh, I was wondering if you know the exact time that they're going to go on sale tomorrow so people know when to look for them. Somebody yeah, in the chat was just asking that, yeah. Yeah, 9 a.m. Eastern time. 9 a.m. Eastern time is the official uh, embargo for releasing it. Of course, I think there's, uh, you know, that's a, that's our guidance to everybody, and and, and I, we hope everybody adheres to that. But um, that that's currently the official embargo time is nine a.m. Eastern time uh, tomorrow morning. And that's for everybody, um, AMD proper as well as aftermarket cards and in stores. So that's yeah, the- yeah, that's that's right, Gordon. I think um, you know there's a lot of questions about uh, out of stock. I, I was watching on the YouTube when we <laughs> when we did the launch video. I think that was the common meme. Um, and so you know what we did differently this launch, uh, Gordon and, and Brad and Adam is. Um, Normally, we launch with our own reference designs for a period of time. 
and then our AIBs follow shortly thereafter. But this time, what we've done with our AIB board partners um, that produce their own brand and uh, designs for it is we're launching AMD.com as well as uh, their own branded solutions on the same day to try to maximize the supply. And then, of course, we're putting uh, with working with our system integrator partners across the world. Across the world, we're doing the same thing. So, as of this morning, our count was tomorrow readiness is about 50 plus system integrators, and then over call it 50 to 60 e-tailers and retailers worldwide tomorrow ready for ready for the launch. Wow! So this is a pretty big launch then compared to previous cards. Yeah, what I what I would say is. Um, uh, I, I'm not going to be able to satisfy everyone given the demand environment. So I just want to get that out of the way first. We recognize that we, we are definitely shipping significantly more than we did on the 5,700 XT launch for day one. Um, but um, I just, with the demand environment, environment being the way it was even last year before mining took off. And then now that mining is here, it's kind of like the perfect storm for, uh, I wouldn't just say GPUs, but I, I think it's across the industry, you know, power supplies, memory, uh, motherboards, case, it just seems like everything right now is tight. Um, so, you know, our goal with this launch is, um, you know, we want to give people the opportunity to buy hopefully a more affordable GPU. Um, and, you know, the smaller die size helps from a supply perspective, um, getting it out there, what will consistently be at SCP on AMD.com. And then hopefully giving everybody around the world an opportunity to buy a more affordable GPU uh, dur- during this crazy demand environment that we're seeing. Hmm, that sounds pretty good. Although I, I clearly we just can't get a feel for how many, but people have a better chance than previous cards, I guess is, is the safe thing of saying. Yeah. We're very focused on this. Um, you know, I think what, uh, what most people not, might not know logistically is Chinese new year happened in February. We were planning to launch this a little bit earlier than, the, than now, but uh, working with our AIB board partners, we wanted to combine that launch, that, that launch window on the same day to maximize that supply. So we're, we're going to give it a good run at it. And we're going to, you know, uh, I think the other confidence thing that I would give you is um, we've been reviewing, you know, since this drama started happening late last year across the industry, we've been reviewing supply plans for this product specifically. And um, even if you can't get it on day one, we have good supply coming week after week after week to be refreshed in the regions, to be refreshed on amd.com. So it's a significant focus for us and our supply chain team and our partners, which is ensuring that that's, that's there and it's ready. Um, for gamers to be able to try to purchase. Sorry, I don't want to steal all the questions, Brad. If you if you want to go, otherwise I'm gonna keep going. No, no, go ahead. You can go, you can keep going, then I'll dive into the nitty gritty stuff. That was that was a good thing to get out of the way first, though. That's, so, that's actually very encouraging to hear. Thank you. Yeah, and I and I it does sound really really good. I mean, you sort of plan. Is it a no win scenario though? Because. You know, we we hear you've made all these plans, all this stuff, and then of course we know first the first day of engagement with an entire world trying to buy every single thing. Do you think people are still going to be? I mean, I don't. Even if you've done all this, people are hearing this, if you can't fulfill everybody, are are people just going to be angry? No matter. Is it just like there's just really nothing you can do? It feels like to to make everybody happy in this case. Well, I think our job is to just keep putting more and more supply out there. Um, and I know our competitors are doing the same thing. I think we're all trying to make sure that we're, we want normalized prices. We want gamers to get access to these products. Um, and um, the industry is in a weird spot. And our job is to just keep put, putting out more and more GPUs every week. Um, I think that's on us to do that. And then hopefully work with our partners to continue to try to make them affordable. 
Um, but at the end of the day, we control what we can sell on AMD.com. It's up to the industry to also maintain a balance of SCP and supply as well. So um, it's work in progress. I'm not sure if it's a, a winning situation, but it's something that, you know, with a smaller die size, with um, hopefully more affordable price points, we're going to hopefully give more people access to the GPUs um, that we're going to be shipping out for the 6700 XT launch. Yeah, that's that's really important, I think, and worth noting that this is the first, I think Navi 22 it is, GPU. So it's the smaller, it's half the size as the larger one. So you guys can fit a lot more in per wafer than you can with the larger chips. So hopefully that bodes well for stock. Yeah, you know, what's interesting about that is I think from our side, you know, we have a very good view on our A6 supply. TSMC is a great partner of ours. Um, but, you know, there's other industry head, headwinds that I think the whole supply chain team is, is looking at across the PC ecosystem. You know, some, some components on a graphics card or even motherboards, for that matter, are a little bit longer now. So you have to plan out a little bit longer. Um, and I think even the Wall Street Journal this morning had an article about, you know, automakers having trouble getting supplies. So um, yeah. we have a very good view of what we've already procured. And we're pretty confident about that view. And this is the reason why we're going to market now with the 6700 XT is, um, we have a very good supply chain lined up through the rest of the year. And just like on the 6000 series, the 6900, the 6900 XT, 6800 XT, and 6800, we're going to continue throughout the rest of this year putting more and more stock on AMD.com, our, our reference boards. So um, I think I sent a tweet out uh, last time, probably Q4 of last year, saying it's gonna, we're going to continue doing this indefinitely. And we're definitely going to continue that for the 6700 XT. So, you know, keep checking back on amd.com you know, our commitment to the, the gaming community is at SCP and continual stock refreshes week after week for all the products. So I have a question about hash rates because clearly the mining thing is kind of ruining it for everybody right now. There have been some reports that, you know, the hash rates of the 6700 XT is actually uh, worse than the 5700 XT. And I, for some reason, of course, that makes some people unhappy. But to be honest, isn't that actually a good thing? I mean, for getting these cards into your core customer, which is gamers? Yeah, I think, you know, we've been silent on this um, probably since I think NVIDIA made their announcement and, you, and the community was talking about it. And, you know, it was exactly 2018 when we were looking at um, this roadmap that we're executing now. And we've bifurcated our roadmap on purpose. Um, if you look at our roadmap from an engineering perspective, uh, we have cDNA, which is compute RDNA architecture, and then we have RDNA, which stands for the gaming architecture at AMD. And we didn't want to, um, we knew that we can take on gaming workloads with RDNA, and we wanted to push most of our compute workloads to those industries that need it, which is our uh, cDNA, which is our MI line of products. And so that's why you see um, quite happily that um, if you just compare us versus uh, uh, our competitors' latest products, our hash rate's not as good. And, and that's on purpose because our, our memory bandwidth is, we've done some different things with the Infinity Cache. It's allowed us to target specific workloads for gaming only. Um, you can't get rid of all the compute in your architecture because there's still quite a bit that's relied on in games. Um, but what I would say is uh, for those mining workloads, uh, you should go by GeForce first and then leave the gamers <laughs> for Radeon. <laughs> um, and that, that will continue to be an architectural difference um, going forward for us. It's a strategy when, you know, when the last craze happened, we just, we built our, our products differently. We, we separated them out right away and we just didn't want to as much as possible get into the situation again, where people were preferring ours versus uh, maybe our competitors products. So, um, you know, I think going forward, if, if miners want to buy a great compute for uh, their mining workloads, they should go buy our really expensive MI products. That would be great. Mm -hmm. That actually brings me into gaming, which we should talk about. Uh, 
So yeah, your cards are set up very nicely to have a lower mining hash rate because you guys do have that infinity cash. You guys do have the smaller bus widths, which are both, you know, the the infinity cash is not big enough to accelerate mining things. The bus with smaller bus width, you know, isn't as effective in mining. But I found that the infinity cache, even though it's smaller on the 6700 XT, it's 96 megabytes versus uh, 128 megabytes on the higher, you know, pricier cards that are targeting 4K. It does a really, really good job. Like, I didn't see any circumstances really where memory was getting choked off. Uh, it seems to be really, really well configured for 1440p gaming specifically the infinity cache and memory in this case i was wondering if you could talk just a little bit about how you guys go about deciding how much infinity cache each of these gpus get you know the just explain that a little bit more yeah i think we we obviously do quite a bit of uh modeling um out in time and then we work you know uh very uh, tactically with our ISV game developers. And so, um, what, you know, it also goes into uh, how we configure the graphics card, as you know, Brad, uh, how much memory we put on the graphics card. And so all of these things, we, we not only model out in time with our, uh, through our engineering group, but we work with ISV uh, developers to say, how do we optimize that infinity cache? Um, from a very top level, though, it's about, you know, if uh, you obviously know the code names, but the high-end 6000 6, series, what we call Navi 21, um, and then we, we take a look at how do we achieve even more affordable price points for gamers. And so sometimes it's as simple as cutting down what those opportunities are to make a, a, a smaller chip in certain envelopes and certain price points. Um, but also at the same time, what guides us is workloads. Um, and then what can be stored in that cache? What can be temporarily stored in that cache? Um, you know, and then the, all the different ISV engines and how they can access that infinity cache. But for the most part, the infinity cache is, uh, is relatively a, a blind mechanism for the ISVs. We do a lot of that tuning internally and how our software interacts with the, with the die itself and, and then the games and, and with the game developers. But I would say you will continue to see that infinity cache be a prominent story and our product lineup for for the for years to come because it's just such a nice boost to our perf- performance per watt, as well as um, it, it allows us to do things that um, uh, maybe shaves off some mining uh, demand that we don't necessarily want to have happen for for gamers. Yeah, it's so radical and new that when you guys first introduced it, I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. I have to see how it hangs in the real world. But I've been like super pleasantly surprised that it actually kicks all kinds of ass. So good job on that. Speaking of kicking ass in our DNA too. I'm very, you know, I really like you guys' new architecture. One of the things as I was testing the 6700 XT is I was surprised how close it got to the 6800 XT. There's still a considerable gulf gear there. The 6800 is better for 4K. This is better for 1440p. But even though the 6700 XT has two-thirds the amount of stream processors as the 6700 XT, the 6700 XT got within 15 or 20% of the 6800's performance uh and i think a lot of that's due to the just like crazy clock speed you guys managed to achieve on this when you guys rolled out the 6800 series we were seeing clock speeds around two gigahertz depending on the chip which already was great this one goes up over 2.4 gigahertz uh and i just wonder if you could talk about that a little bit more because that's that's significantly higher than we typically see on graphics cards yeah what i would say about that is um our performance and performance our Watt team is doing a fantastic job uh, working with our with TSNC and our architecture team to really reach up in, in uh, clock speeds. Um, interestingly enough, the question, Brad, is that, um, and, and some of them haven't been announced, but I think you'll see some of our AIB board partners with their own OC models even 
significantly higher than that, <laughs> almost to the three gigahertz level. But um, we'll see if anybody can break that uh, for us. And that'll just be goodness. Um, you know, as you guys know, it's a silicon lottery. What can overclock or what can't? Some, some do very well, some can't. And what we want to provide is um, just a baseline level, our 24, 24 clock. It's really just the average, uh, but there's quite a few that can really reach up. Um, so I think you'll continue to see this from us. Our architecture is becoming really efficient over the last few years. And now with RDNA2, uh, we're really able to reach up higher. Uh, I think, you know, the other thing that we prioritize is just uh, frames win games. Uh, we love that phrase and performance is king. And so the more clock we can give you to run your game or, or whatever game you're interested in, that's really been our priority over these last few years. And you're going to see that be our priority going forward. Not saying that ray tracing or other technology isn't important. Yes, of course, it's important. But uh, the large majority of gamers that we that we talk to and, and, and that I know personally, it, they really care about rasterization. Like, what is my performance uh, first? And then the, the you know, the candy is, is always nice, um, but it's it's definitely all about performance. And clock speed is a is a major gate of that achievement. I'm going to want to circle back to ray tracing. But for now, speaking of higher clock speeds, frames, win games, et cetera, uh, you guys debuted smart access memory alongside the Radeon 6000 series, Ryzen 5000 series. And I tested our entire suite with smart access memory, both on and off. And it does, in some cases, you know, it doesn't provide much uplift, but in other cases, it provides significant uplift. Like I was playing Borderlands at 1080p and it was 16% faster than it is without smart access memory on. So that's that's a significant improvement. Uh, one thing that jumps out to me about that is obviously NVIDIA just started rolling out resizable bar support itself with the 3060, which is the PCI technology that kind of smart access memory is built on for people watching. Uh, but they only whitelisted eight games, eight relatively modern games, whereas you guys let every game run with smart access memory. And What's the difference? So I was just wondering if you could talk about why and how you guys are able to do that when NVIDIA limits it to eight games. Um, you'll have to ask them. Uh, I'm not sure uh, <laughs> why they're doing what they're doing, but it's definitely a question for them. But what I would say about us is since we see the entire PC ecosystem internally at AMD, mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of things that we've been preparing for. Uh, started last year with our launch of the 6000 series, and we're continuing on this, this time frame. Is It's not as easy as just turning it on. <laughs> um, and... Uh, and so we, we spent quite a bit of time and effort prioritizing this, um, giving people free performance if you buy our solutions together. And I think you'll see, uh, I don't want to speak on their behalf, but I think over time, uh, you know, I'm sure you'll see some difference in what they can achieve if they, uh, if they prioritize the, the free performance that everybody should get. Yeah, I'm glad you guys rolled that out because it really is, for the first time in a long time, a really compelling reason to upgrade your CPU for gaming as well as your GPU. So I think that's a great technology and bravo for you guys for you know, starting to hand it out. You guys starting the trend. You guys, as part of your 6700 XT or Where Gaming Begins Episode 3 announcement, you announced that it's going to be coming to Ryzen 3000 as well, which is great news because Ryzen 3000 also kicked a lot of ass and it's sold, I'm sure, scads. Uh, do you have any update on when we might be starting to see that? Do you have a next quarter, next half, nebulous, anything? Uh, well, we're, we're working with all the partners now. I think the one thing that I would tell you, Brad, is, uh, and you, you know this, uh, is uh, people hang on to CPUs and motherboards a lot longer. 
Yeah. Um, then they do graphics cards. The graphics cards are upgraded a little bit faster than CPUs and motherboards. So it was a, it was a high priority for us to go back and enable Ryzen 3000 series. Um, but what I would say is um, we, we need to make sure that we're working with our partners uh, here in the next few uh, months to enable them and make sure that they're able to give all those updates to gamers uh, worldwide. So expect to hear more from us soon on partner by partner enablement. And then when you can expect to see that uh, be rolled out very soon. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I'll let Godin go. Cause I don't want to hog them all. Actually, uh, so can I, I, can I hop in with one real, real quick? Uh, I'll let Adam go because I don't want to hog the wall. <laughs> Just because we, we got a super chat from uh, uh, Julian Elias Aguilera, Aguilera. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, uh, uh, a question about the pricing. Uh, he's asking, does the $480 MSRP include the new tariffs on GPUs or is it assuming there isn't a tariff? Uh, does, that's, a, that's a good question. We have to bake into whatever the assumption is today in the marketplace. And right now there are tariffs. Uh, on the pricing of the products, and we have to make sure that we are, are adhering to um, the legal standards that we're required to. So there's mitigations we put in place um, to to make sure that we can consistently hit that $479 on amd.com. And what I would say is uh, it's all reflected into our business model of getting those products to 479 on amd.com. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Uh, w- one more from a friend of the show, uh, Dr. Ian Cutris, uh, Tech Tech Potato. Oh. says, uh, AMD is having substrate issues in the supply chain, so any updates would be helpful uh, about what's going on there it, it, uh, as an example, like investing in their third parties, et cetera, anything like that that you can speak to? Uh, hi, Ian. Uh, I saw your tweet about the Tech Potato. That was funny. Um, what I would say about uh, substrates is that it's an industry-wide problem, and we're we're desperately working with our partners to increase our supply, and it's going well. I think we're we're continuing to see improvements, um, but at this time, that's that's all I'd comment about about substrates. But it is directly related to availability. So I have a question about reviews because I, you know, in addition to you know reading Brad stuff this morning, I went ahead and. and read reviews out on the internet and it seemed more polarizing than I expected. You know, typically, you know, reviews kind of cluster into one area, but it really felt like there are a lot of people who are really just a little more overly negative than I expected. And then people that are just sort of, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a good product. Too bad. The prices couldn't be better. And, you know, but we know it kind of stinks as a person who, who makes these things. Have you seen reviews like this? Because I think the problem is people don't know how to compute the pricing into this because the, the pricing is just all out of whack for everybody. You know, I, um, my view on this, and I've now been in this industry just over 20 years is it's the, this is the weirdest period of time. I think even the last mining craze wasn't this bad. Um, and what I would say about that is that, um, uh, it's frustrating as a gamer. Um, I have family and friends that ask me for GPU that I, you know, I'm like, sorry, I'm prioritizing somewhere else. Um, and what I would say is that um, the frustration is if you can't get a hold of one, you almost start to tune out what it, what the GPU is, right? And so, and that's on us to increase our supply and try to continue to make them affordable to be able to purchase. But I think that's that's the level of emotion is, um, it's, which is understandable. Which is why should I care if. if uh, I can't get one or if the price point becomes crazy and I can't afford it. Um, and so it's it's one of those things that um, is understandable. But at the same time, that's exactly why we were launching the 6700 XT. It should be more affordable, hopefully more read- readily available. And then um, just keep push- pushing out more and more GPUs that we can. 
do you think this is a good opportunity to to pick up some points against in market share against Nvidia because you know they really are impacted by the mining. In fact, even their new 3060, they they <laughs> is now apparently a good mining car too. Do you think this is a good chance for AMD to pick up points against them with gamers because this part seems perfectly aimed for not mining, maybe more quantity, so gets into actual more gamers' hands. Yeah, I, I think there is always that opportunity for us. Um, it's all about, do we have the right supply to gamers? I think gamers will give us those credits and those kudos if we can actually get them a GPU and they, they can build a rig with it or upgrade the rig. So um, only in that situation, I think, will you know, will gamers be happy with us is, can they actually get a GPU? Speaking of that, by the way, um, Gordon, last time we talked, I do have an update for you. Um, if you're interested in buying one, um, unless there's human bots, and if you follow Twitter, there's probably a lot of human bots, but personally in store at Micro Center starting tomorrow morning, if you line up, there's there we've prioritized in person um, with, with some of our retailers that um, hopefully we'll get around some of these issues. Um, but that will be available tomorrow morning for those that have a micro center near them. You can actually go to store, hopefully get a ticket. If you can't, if there's only a certain amount you could place in store, but um, you know, get a ticket and then come back later to a certain micro center store and, and, and get in the re- reservation line. But um, I think that's the, where the rubber meets the road is there's only, we're only going to get kudos with gamers if we actually can get them a GPU and affordable price. Um, and so there's quite a bit of things we're doing about that. You know, if you can't buy one um, from your popular retailer, retailer, that's why we, um, have this huge momentum with the system builders that hopefully you can at least buy a complete system that's not heavily inflated um, and get a great, great, great gaming rig, by the way, if you haven't upgraded in a while, those system builders do a good job. Um, but I think there's a lot of things that we can, we're trying to do to, to help here. But at the end of the day, from a market share or a win points with gamers, it's really about can they actually get one? And that's what we have to prove to them. I was actually really excited to see you guys come out so strongly and say, hey, we're making a point of giving system integrators and desktop makers, you know, a lot of these cards, because that's been one of our, like when people ask us, what can we do to get a graphics card? These days, we just tell them one of your best options is actually just to go buy a whole system. And as I was saying, now that smart access memory is a thing, uh, that's a really compelling reason to upgrade both your CPU and your GPU. So I was just really excited to see you guys prioritizing that for that reason. And also it's good to see you guys making more inroads as far as day one availability with those systems. Yeah, it is definitely a big effort um, on, on behalf of our sales team and the system builders. They're, they're great partners. Mm-hmm. And now that we have, we have this really fantastic roadmap and uh, product lineup, I think that there, you'll see continued strength in those relationships. And, you know, I'm hoping that bots and scalpers, it, it's more expensive than f- to, to buy a complete system um, and hopefully more painful for them. Mm-hmm. Um, be- and then hopefully that increases our ability to give GPUs to gamers. Okay, circling back to the actual card itself, because it does kick all sorts of butt for 1440p and 1080p gaming. It's, it's, it's a great graphics card. Uh, one of the things that interested me is that RDNA 2 supports full DirectX 12 Ultimate features, and a new feature that you guys just put out to coincide with this launch, which sadly I haven't had a chance to test, because testing SAM on and off takes a ton of time. Uh, but Radeon Boost, you guys expanded to DirectX 12. Uh, which is excellent in and of itself because Radeon Boost is an excellent technology. And if people are playing action games and have a Radeon GPU, you should turn it on and check it out. But this particular version of it, this update, you guys actually wrapped in variable rate shading, which is a DirectX 12 Ultimate feature, right into Radeon Boost. And I find that super exciting and really interesting and fascinating. 
Uh, how does that work? Uh, do you need to do that hand in hand with developers? Is it something you guys do on your end? It's just, that's a really exciting technology. And I think that the handful of titles you guys now support this with is larger than the actual number of titles that support variable rate shading on their own. So I just want to hear more about this. Yeah. Um, you know, so we have two features that are, we believe are competitive advantages that we've pioneered and we launched uh, quite a while ago. Uh, Anti-lag, which as you know, is just something you can turn on most competitive esports games. Um, Variable rate shading does require a good collaboration between the game developer and AMD. Um, You want to make sure that um, in fast switch scenes, as you're, as you're moving um, that everything is, is the image is there that uh, there's no image degradation or there's little. Um, So essentially the way boost works is it's just a shading uh, across the scene and um, we can choose parts of the scenes to, um, reduce the amount of workload on your GPU in a in a moving environment, which gives you more performance as you're moving. You know, at, in, in any game environment, if you go left to right or right left to right, uh, right to left real quick, um, it's kind of blurry anyway. So we're using it as an opportunity in fast twitch games or esports games to say, hey, look, in the corners of the scene, or if there's a lot of detail there, you probably don't need to do as much shading there, and you can reduce that workload quite a bit. And that gives you more frames per second. And if you have a great high refresh rate monitor, you, you turn on anti-lag and you turn on uh, boost using variable rate shading, your performance can just dramatically go up 10%, 50%, depends upon the game and the workload. Um, but Brad, to answer your question, it does require that AMD turns this on game by game with specific game developers because we want to make sure that we're, we're representing their game well and that uh, that we don't have any uh, issues as, the, as this technology gets rolled out to gamers across the world. So there is there is games that it supports today, and we're going to continue to uh, increase that number of titles over time. I think it's worth, I mean, you guys support, I think, eight or ten titles, but I think it's worth pointing out specifically, Cyberpunk is one of the launch titles, and that game's notorious for being a performance hog, so I think that's a great addition to that, so... Just wanted to make sure people are aware of that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Can I ask a question about super resolution? I, people are really in, interested and excited to see what's going to come of that. Any news you can break today or any hints you can give us as to when we might expect more about it? Um, yeah, I, by the way, I did see Brad's uh, tweet earlier. Where, and I think all the questions were on super <laughs> resolution. <laughs> yes, yes, sir. Um, and what I would say is... Um, what I would say is this, is that we're, it's progressing very well internally in our labs. Um, but it's our commitment to the, gaming, uh, to the gaming community is it needs to be open, needs to work across all things, and our game developers uh, need to adopt it and feel like it's a good thing. And so even though it's progressing well, we still have more work to do, and not only internally, but with our game developer partners. Um, you know, we want to launch it this year. Uh, we believe we can do that this year. Um, but at the same time, we have a lot of more work ahead of us. We need to make sure the image quality is there. We need to make sure that we can scale from different resolutions. And at the same time that it can, you know, our game developers are happy with what we're producing. So um, we still have some work ahead of us. Uh, it's probably one of the biggest uh, software initiatives we have internally um, because we know how important it is that if you want to turn on ray tracing that you want to, you don't want to just have that, that competitive hit uh, or that your GPU get uh, hit so hard. And so, you know, the, the FSR, what we call it, the acronym Fidelity uh, FX Super Resolution is something key to us to launch this year, but it's, it's going to take a little bit more time. We're, we're, we're progressing well, but um, we still have some work to do. Can you give us any broad picture hints at like what sort of technology it's based off of? Is it super sampling? Does it have VRS in it? Can you do any of that? Well, what I, what I could tell you is that um, you don't need machine learning to do it. 
Um, you can you can do this many different ways, and we're evaluating the many different ways. And um, really, what matters most to us is what will the game developers uh, want to use? Um, because at the end of the day, if it's just for us and we force people to do it, it's not a good outcome. And so uh, we would rather say, gaming community, which one of these techniques would you rather see us implement? So that way it can be immediately spread across uh, the industry and hopefully cross-platform. Um, so I think there's there's a lot of work we have to do there, but you, it's not one te- technique or the other. It's really which one works the best for the game developers to implement is what we're yeah. looking for. And if that takes off, you being in the Xbox or you, me, and AMD, in the Xbox and P- PlayStation makes a big difference because if a lot of developers just target console performance first and foremost, spread it across evenly, like that's the lowest common denominator, or not lowest, but you know what I mean. Uh, and so if they can just flip this on and it works on Xbox and GPUs, that already gives it a massive adoption leg up in theory than what we're seeing with DLSS because DLSS is only for PCs. And if you guys can truly make it cross-platform, I think that'd be, that'd be great. Yeah, exactly, Brad. And long-term, that would be a great goal. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the medium term, I think what gamers are begging us for is just at least make it available on PC. And so um, that's our highest priority. Um, But at the same time, we we definitely want to deliver something that meets the quality expectations and performance expectations and whatever technique we end up picking with our game developers. But, um, you know, we're, we're, we're focused on it. I just don't have any news for you yet. And I'd ask you to stay tuned and um, we'll, we'll come out and talk to you guys specifically about that when it's ready. No doubt. Can I, can I ask a little bit about the whole open thing? Now I, I know this is a position AMD has, has taken for many, many years now. And I've kind of likened it to, you know, trying to get coworkers, five coworkers to go to lunch with you. You spend about two hours just discussing where to go to lunch and then lunch is over. You can't even go to lunch. Whereas, if somebody just simply makes everybody go to the same place, a la uh, NVIDIA with some of his techniques, Intel with Thunderbolt, those kind of things, that that gets it done a lot quicker. At some point, when does, AM, when does AMD go, you know what, this rule by committee is really slowing us down. Do you sort of abandon that in some things, or is this just always something core to AMD's philosophy? It's, it's definitely core to our philosophy. Um, and what I would say about that, Gordon, is that um, even look at smart access memory. I mean, it was an industry standard. Um, of course, we enabled it with our own products, but we welcomed Intel and NVIDIA to come talk to us to enable it on their platforms. And that's exactly what our strategy is, is do no harm to gamers, hopefully. Um, and we want to stick to that. And um, at the same time, we want the industry to grow, not to be just restricted just to our stuff. Um, it really helps the whole community. And that's why I think you saw at the very beginning of my, my presentation, the launch video, that the gaming industry is gigantic. Um, and really, that's a testament to the PC platform, um, that people can compete, compete openly. And when um, even if you looked at the results for, for our Fidelity FX, a lot of different image techniques in there, those are all open standards. And what we've seen from game developers is when you open it, they're more willing to come and collaborate with you to change it because it'll help them not only in our stuff, but it'll help them on our with them on their competitor, our competitors' hardware. Um, so there's a lot more, um, let's just say there's a lot more interest when things are more open 
to be implemented faster than there is to be dedicated only to one hardware vendor or another. Um, you can do it that way, but it definitely takes a longer time and a significant investment. And um, it doesn't really raise all boats. It raises one person's boats uh, or one company's boats. And so um, I would say that we're, that's our strategy. We, we, committed, we continue to be committed to it. And um, uh, I would say that I wouldn't necessarily say in the future we won't have a dedicated technology that maybe we launch first. But we would then want to make sure that the rest of the industry has access to it because it, it, it's more of a, you know, industry good thing for gamers versus if I have to buy this hardware, this generation, and then the next generation, if my hardware is better than that previous generation hardware, then it becomes weird when it, in terms of how, how do you continually upgrade and get the best thing for you versus be locked into somebody's proprietary technology. Like, like for example, the Monitor War that I think is done now, um, but FreeSync versus G-Sync, what, it, it slowed down the industry in my view. And um, I think the good news is the standards won, open standards won. And um, ultimately you saw in the charts, we're seeing tremendous amount of growth in FreeSync monitor uh, type technology sales and high refresh rate monitors because we were able to bypass all the uh, industry specific or vendor specific technology implementations. Uh, can I follow that uh, yeah. with one from the, the audience? Uh, Dreary Spider asked earlier, um, what, what are your plans to be more competitive with software features uh, such as streaming encoders? Uh, we, we talked about AI scaling, but uh, also on professional apps and things like that. Uh, those are some of the reasons why people are buying green over red uh, in, in their speak. Yeah, by the way, I watch a tremendous amount of Twitch. And um, uh, what I would say is that that is definitely this generation. Um, something we have to work on in our roadmap. We are definitely investing in that and working on that in our roadmap. I just can't disclose future things, but what I would say is it's a, it's a known thing internally with our teams and we're going to be addressing that in our roadmap. And I will also say that unless you're a professional streamer making money streaming, like I think AMD's encoder gets too harsh of feedback sometimes. Like it, it's it's totally fine. If you want to go on Twitch and play games and do stuff like it's it. I think a lot of the criticism is deserved in some respects, but drastically overblown on the internet. That's that's just my two cents. <laughs> uh, another software question. Uh, Vybe asked, uh, "When will Radeon Adrenaline twenty twenty one be released?" Well, thank you for the question. Vybe, I think was the name. Bye, um, yes. uh, Bye, what I would say about that is um, we, we have quite a few planned um, software updates this year and um, check back in. You'll hear from us shortly <laughs> on our next uh, big announcement for uh, further improvements, but uh, it'll be coming soon. Okay. Uh, do you want me to keep going? I've, I've got, I got plenty. I, I got, <laughs> I got, I got one question in? real quick. Okay. Yeah, I just I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about uh, to me, like if I was going to ding this card for anything, it would be the ray tracing performance, uh, because you guys build one ray accelerator into each streaming processor. And this one has 40, which limits the card without super resolution being out at this point in a lot of games to 1080p resolution, which is kind of a bummer when, you know, you're buying this as a 1440p card. Uh, so I was wondering just kind of philosophically, what do you look at ray tracing as do you like NVIDIA is obviously shouting, Hey, this is the future. Everyone should get in on this right now from the rooftops because you know, they're, they're trying to make that theirs. Uh, what do you think? What do you think that is the future? Do you consider it for now, at least just kind of like an ultra plus graphics setting, if you can swing it, what do you think? 
Um, good, good question about ray tracing. Um, I think for the level of investment that we placed in ray tracing versus the number of games you could play it on, it still to me feels right <laughs> to what, how much we put in there. Um, I would rather have better rasterization uh, than ray tracing performance today. Thousands of games can use ray tra- or rasterization, not, you know, maybe a handful of games can use ray tracing. Um, so yes, we are at a deficit. There's no doubt. Um, I think when we come out with FSR, that'll, that point will be mute. And so we're, that's why we're working on that uh, so significantly now. Um, but what I would say is for the number of games available for ray tracing this year and what we see over the maybe, maybe even the next year, it feels about we've put the right amount of investment in. Um, one thing is for sure, as we talk to game developers, is they even give us feedback that uh, people jump in, they, they turn on ray tracing, see what it's about. Some people keep it on and a lot of people have been just saying, yeah, um, I, I saw it, it's great, now I'm going to move on. But um, you know, even the game developers are trying to figure out how much race tracing do we put into our roadmap? Um, and we're trying to mirror them, you know, how much, how important do they think it is? How important do, uh, you know, do their, even our other uh, console players think it is? Um, there's many techniques you can do besides just ray tracing to improve lighting and then reflections and global illumination in a game. Um, we're also investing in those, but um, I would say our roadmap is is uh, based upon we have certain functions for ray tracing coming out in our roadmap over the next three to five years. I think it'll take time, continually take time for more game developers to adopt it. It's a lot of work. Um, and at the same time, they they have so many resources and they have to really see gamers want it in a big way to invest it in their roadmap. And so we're just kind of following their lead. How much are you thinking about it? You know, what kind of percentage workload do you want to balance in that game? And then we're investing uh, that same sort of percentage that we're in working with them of what they should put into it. Um, it, By the way, Brad, it's no surprise to me that um, our competitors are going heavy after that. I think they have an advantage here. And so it makes sense that they would double down on the marketing. Um, But I would say from a gamer perspective, you know, rasterization is still the king. Ray chasing will be becoming more important over time as more games develop it. And uh, our roadmap will reflect that gradual uh, curve of games coming out with ray tracing. Awesome. Speaking of, you know, other technologies that can improve visual performance, you guys have the Fidelity of X Suite and you guys as part of this were saying what, 40, 60 games now include that, something like that? Yeah, we said 40 plus. Um, It's Mm -hmm. a little bit higher than that, but uh, we haven't announced some of those in there. But, um, you know, it's just two years old. And this is uh, maybe back to the original question of open standards versus closed. Um, If you were to were to tell you two years ago that, hey, we want Fidelity effects in 40 plus games with all these different techniques besides just ray tracing, that would have been quite the ambitious task. But because we made it open and really available, you know, game developers can just use it with very little effort and it works across the ecosystem. Obviously, it works really well with our products. Um, but that's the kind of um, both, you know, raise of all tides that we want is uh, lift all boats is, is make sure that game, game developers can quickly put these things into their games without burning them, burdening them on QA uh, things or, uh, you know, maybe uh, just working just for us. Now they got to go redo the code for someone else. So that's what Fidelity FX is all about. Uh, denoising, global illumination, all those types of really great SDKs and, and uh, APIs for our game developers is getting it into their hands and letting them quickly be able to put these technologies into their game. And just to speak to that, uh, Cyberpunk again, uh, obviously notorious for being a performance hog. Uh, AMD has, I think it's content adaptive shading is the name of the technology there, the performance boosting one. Yes. And that's, you know, if you have an RTX GPU, people use DLSS, but a lot of people don't. I would, most gamers don't have an RTX GPU. And when people ask me, uh, how can I make this run better? I'll go, even though you have an NVIDIA GPU, if you have a Radeon GPU, it doesn't matter. Turn on AMD's CAS and it'll help your card run faster. 
And yeah. that's helping across the board. So that's just, again, just a, a practical example of what you're talking about. Yeah, that's right. You know, Cass, um, um, not that I want to sell more GeForce GPUs, but, mm-hmm. um, but Cass definitely, um, again, one of those open ecosystem standards that if you don't want to take the performance hit, you turn on Cass and it really improves Works the visual great. fidelity. And it works across vendors. And uh, again, that's just our commitment to make sure that everybody benefits, not just not just us. Yeah. Can I ask a little bit about uh, displays? Shift a little bit here. Uh, we had a question because uh, when the card was announced, the you know there was definitely saying, "Hey, there's been huge growth in 1440p panels, uh, even high refresh 1440p." And then you know, uh, I think Elena and Brad were like, "Well, does this mean?" There are actually more 1440p shipping, definitely as a growth in percentage compared to the previous 1440p panels, it's been up. But would you say most gamers are actually now actively going out and seeking 1440p versus 1080p? I would say over the last year, from the data we've seen, Gordon, that's definitely the case, that more people are purchasing uh, 1440p panels. It's, it's still, you know, 1080p monitors are still the vast majority, the high, high vast majority. Um, but it's really nice to see that, you know, for, for those of us that play AAA games where you want that visual fidelity that a 1440p or a 4K monitor can bring, it's really nice to see that growth rate. Um, but I would beg, I would beg everybody listening to this or maybe in your future uh, podcast that you guys do to the community is, is I would beg them if you're in too competitive gaming and you have a 60 hertz monitor, just go up above 100. It yes. is literally make, it'll make the difference of like, if you don't have a variable refresh rate monitor and then you jump to a variable refresh rate monitor, that's like a huge boost. You can never go back. Well, it's the same, I believe, with a 60 hertz monitor to anything greater than 100, you'll immediately see something really awesome in terms of your experience. And so it seems like more people are doing that, but I would just beg that even more people do that to make their gaming experience it's, better. It's, it's actually like those monitors, 1440p high refresh with FreeSync, which is great, uh, are surprisingly affordable now. Like you can get entry-level ones for well under 200 bucks now and really, really good ones for around 200 bucks, 250 bucks or more if you want a fancy one. But it's yeah. like 1440p really is the sweet spot for gaming. It feels like it's becoming more and more affordable. Yeah, if you, uh, if you think about like the monitor market and, and gamers upgrade cycle. So uh, GPUs are upgraded some of the fastest pieces of hardware. And then CPUs and motherboards in your case, that's a little bit more complex. You have to upgrade basically your whole thing. Uh, and then monitors, people hold on to them for, for like five, 10 years. Um, and I think if you have a monitor older than three or four years, um, if you really want to up, up your gaming, gaming, it's it's definitely taking consideration into high refresh rate monitors. No doubt about yeah. it. No, and I, I agree. And I, I think one of the misconceptions with high refresh initially, it was always pushed as for a pro gamer, somebody with lightning reflexes. But, you know, I, I think people should understand that even terrible, slow, bad gamers like me can actually benefit from high refresh. High refresh is, is a real game changer, I think, for gaming, for most, I think, most gaming styles. Hey, Gordon, I think what the kids call us is boomers. But yes, yeah, um, so. us boomers can even, you know, enjoy uh, high refresh rate monitors for sure. The old timers. Yeah. That's I. Yeah, I think it, it. It really does. It really. Everybody should basically have high refresh at this point. So, yeah, it's a great trend to see, and and I think that um, the more we see that high refresh rate monitor trend, it really empowers us to go and work even further on like Radeon Boost anti lag initiatives, because then you can really start to dial in your competitive gaming experience. Um, and I think that's the first one though is get that high refresh rate monitor. 
and then make sure that you have that with the right GPU for the games you play, um, which is another thing that I, I would say that even when I read all the reviews this morning, um, you know, we're, we're, we are really focused on competitive esports and AAA games that have launched recently and going forward. And so optimizing our features for games that you're going to enjoy coming up is something near and dear to our hearts. I mean, there's obviously legacy games. Um, that are many, many years old that a few gamers play that uh, will continue to care about. But we care more about optimizing your experience for current generation games and going forward. And that's something that I just wanted to make sure we talk about that. Uh, I've read a lot of reviews and and it does seem like the 6700 XT, you know, with legacy games that are quite old, um, maybe the 6700 XT might not be right for you, but if you just take a look at the most recent generation games um, and those reviews, uh, and you're interested in playing those games, I, I would hope that the 6700 XT is is in your consideration set. And hell, if you can actually buy it over buying the other cards, who cares? <laughs> Goal number one. Got a point, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's the the card that actually exists is the card that is better. So. <laughs> Uh, got a couple of pointed questions from the chat, if that's okay. Um, Grant Hampson gave us a, a super chat. Uh, it, it was in ZAR format. I had to look it up. It's a South African Rand. Mm, I never heard of that never before. That. Cool. So th- thank you so much. Said uh, great show. Uh, will AMD.com be shipping reference cards to international customers at the correct MSRP like South Africa? Um, uh, so South Africa, no, I'm sorry. Um, we do have uh, AMD.com for most countries in Europe. Um, and of course, in North America, AMD.com works uh, well. Uh, our partner, we have a, a partner in China for JD.com who helps us uh, act like an AMD.com. Uh, we're going to continue to expand AMD.com's presence for more countries. It's just going to take some time as we roll these out. And um, uh, what I love about it is we can ensure SCP on AMD.com. Uh, it's the only place. Um, but what uh, we'll, we'll continue to invest in that and make more and more countries available. It's just going to take us a little bit more time to get that done. Okay. Um, Eternal uh, Duo asked, uh, does it make sense to scale RDNA 2 down past 6700 level? Uh, in the past, AMD said it would go across the whole product stack eventually, but for the low-end cards, does it make sense? Uh, yeah, we'll continue. Um, nothing to announce today. Can't comment on unannounced products, but um, you can expect... Um, um, more products in this RDNA 2 family set uh, soon. And, um, you know, our goal is to bring it from the top all the way down to as low as we can. Okay. All right. I have, I have a question, just kind of off the cuff, because uh, people were asking about software features. Uh, and I feel like AMD's Radeon software features don't always get all the attention they deserve because you guys have some really great stuff baked in there. I was wondering if you had to name just one, maybe two software features that you think are really great but don't get the attention they deserve, what would they be? <clears throat> well, um, first is CAS. I'm so glad you brought that up earlier because it works across everyone. Uh, an immediate boost to image clarity and performance, very low performance hit. Um, and I think that's just one of those things that we've done that I think is working really well. You just need to enable it and making sure that you want those, that image enhancement and performance, just enable it in your games if you have a Radeon card. And the second one, it's actually my most favorite because I love uh, esports games, is uh, Anti-Lag. Um, and my view is if you play competitive esports games, um, just turn it on. I mean, you have a, a percentage chance better potentially 20, 30% chance better of seeing someone before they see you. So anti-lag, in my view, is 
a really cool competitive esports feature now. Um, we also know that uh, gamers spend the majority of their time on esports. And so even when a AAA game comes out, people play it, like you mentioned Cyberpunk earlier, people played it for like a month, but then they'll go back to their friends and they'll play esports games. So if, you're, yep. if your friend has a, a different competitor graphics card and you have Radeon, please turn on your anti-lag and then 1v1 them. And then uh, <laughs> tweet at me if you beat them. But um, you know, that would be, that would, those would be my two favorite features is uh, something that we're going to continue to invest in. There's a lot of cool opportunities like that um, that are that AMD can own from a CPU motherboard and a GPU perspective that we can continue to enhance your gameplay in games. And um, you'll see a lot more of that from Frank Azor and his team. I mean, the, he's just a gamer true and true, and he's got some really cool features on the roadmap that I think that you'll continue to see us invested in. I have a question about Intel. Um, they've been showing off their expected, you know, H. HPC part, HPG, they're, they're basically their gaming card. How worried about you uh, about a third competitor in this market? Because um, Intel basically has nothing to lose in a lot of ways. It feels like they can really disrupt what has been a two-player market for a long time now. What are your thoughts about where Intel could land and how much they could just disrupt everything for everybody? I would say that um, we always take our competition seriously, um, but I think until it comes to market, time will tell. Um, but it's always good to have competition. I mean, even look at this most recent, uh, before all this demand hype, um, you know, bringing competition to NVIDIA has been a really fun thing. And it's made them innovate, it's made us innovate. So if Intel shows up and they have good performance and good innovative features, um, it's going to make the whole industry want to compete harder. And I think that'll be a good thing for the industry. Um, so that way we continue to do the right thing for gamers. We continue to innovate, push the performance boundaries. Um, so time will tell, you know, that right now, I think it's all just tweet tweets and, um, PowerPoint, but, you know, let, let's see what the product looks like and what kind of innovation they can bring. And, you know, at the end of the day, competition's good. We have our roadmap. We're going to focus on ourselves. We have a really good roadmap and, um, I'm just excited that, uh, you know, uh, for the first time in a long time, Radeon has uh, complete coverage from the enthusiast down to the to the mainstream, um, and so uh, we'll, we welcome them. Uh, it's not easy to build a GPU, and we'll have to see what they have when they're ready to launch it. Uh, got a couple more from the the chat, <clears throat> if you don't mind. Um, so, uh, going back to the software stuff, uh, we actually have a, a fair number of uh, Linux uh, gamers in here. Uh, uh, Choco Cornet said, not a question, but I wanted to say thank you for the excellent Radeon Linux support. It's been great since 2015, and I hope it continues. But Peter Jansen follows up and, and asks, uh, can AMD please port AMD settings to Linux? It's the only thing we lack for gaming. Oh, I will have to take that as a question. By the way, um, uh, you know, being in a, in a business unit, you have these reviews with your whole team every week. We just talked about Linux today and making sure we do no harm. Um, so we're going to continue that strategy of enabling Linux users. Um, but it's a good ask about the settings. So let me, let me go look into that for you. Um, but we, we love the Linux community and we always try to do the best thing for Linux users because we, we want all people to feel like the GPU manufacturers care about them. And we definitely do. Um, so let me go look, ask about the settings and I'll try to get back to you on that through, through this team. Okay. Uh, also, uh, Tech Tech Potato had another question. Uh, will AMD launch proper CDNA for consumers? Um, again, we I don't comment on unannounced products. Um, our CDNA roadmap is more specifically geared towards um, you know data center and data center environments and AI and ML workloads. Um, 
I would say that for gamers, they should really only care about RDNA at this point in time. Has that split made a tangible difference in how you designed the products already? I know you guys just announced CDNA and RDNA, the split last year. Uh, but assu- I'm assuming that's been in the works for a while. Has that already, you know, made a tangible difference to how you designed RDNA too? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, instead of throwing everything into our GPU architecture, like maybe some others, and trying to come up with reasons to use it, um, you know, we're able to just, you know, mitigate and really focus in on the things that matter only to gamers. Um, and so putting those things into a data center, you know, putting um, technologies and things that data center requires allows us to really focus the gaming architecture just on gaming. Um, and we don't waste any space doing that. And, uh, and we don't charge gamers for that. And so I, I think that's the big part of our roadmap going forward is we're able to be specific for the compute data center teams um, and their, th- those customer needs. And then for gaming, just focus our architecture and make it as efficient as possible for, for gaming needs. Like Infinity Cash. I'm a big fan of Infinity Cash. I'm glad you guys rolled that out. Yeah. <laughs> I think you'll, you'll continue to see that from us because it, it, it offers a lot of advantages. And what I'm more excited about, Brad, is that um, you know, we, we've just started to sell uh, the 6000 series and more and more game developers will continue to take a look at what else they can do with that Infinity Cash. There's nothing to announce, but we're already starting to see if there's something else we can uniquely do with that that would even help them further um, have access to that, that part of our Infinity Cash. It's an exciting tease. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, I know you can't talk about unannounced product, but you did hint at it with the launch um, a few weeks ago, and that is we are going to see 6,000 Radeons in laptops soonish. Can you say anything more about that? How, I mean, how much of a shakeup do you think you can make? I mean, that's NVIDIA feels like they have even more market share in laptops than they do in desktops, so... How much of a dent do you think you can put in there? Yeah, I think that, well, that is a true statement by them. I think they, they definitely have a, a good lion's share of the notebook market. <clears throat> that was, de- and, and I would say even through to today, that's true. Um, but with RDNA 2 and the power and the performance per watt, um, we're coming. And um, I think you'll start to see quite a few options from us um, as we launch more of our stack. Um, you know, there's not a lot of uh, notebooks that would take a 6900 XT die or a 6800 XT but this 6700 XT and maybe some more products um, that will come out in the future, it's much more beneficial to notebooks. Um, and so I think you'll, you know, uh, we teased it. Um, I would say very soon you'll see even more from us on this front as we work with our OEM partners. But RDNA 2 in, in the notebook space will definitely make a dent because of the fantastic performance and performance per watt that the engineering team has put together for us. Um, and it, it is true that they have the large majority of share in notebooks, but uh, we're hoping to change that this year, no doubt. Yeah, it's interesting because even uh, their products stepped it back quite a bit. Clearly, the desktop top-end part is not the same as uh, is the laptop top-end part. So it does feel like your part may might be... Be, we might be in for some good uh, good fight there. Uh, time will tell. Time will tell. <laughs> soon, soon, very soon, we'll we'll get back together with you all and talk to you about that. But um, I know from an OEM perspective that um, we're going to be able to bring all of these cool features that we have on the desktop. A lot of those will be transferred to the notebook market. Um, you know, smart shift, um, smart access memory. There's a lot of really cool things that in a in a, an environment that's dedicated that we know about. There's some really cool things that the team can do. Um, and so, um, soon we'll, we'll, we'll let you guys know a lot more very, very soon. I uh, think we talked about this before, but is there any chance of 
something like SmartShift happening in desktop PCs if you have a Ryzen processor and a Radeon graphics card? Um, there is a chance. Um, we, it would have to be a known environment. So SmartShift has to be a known environment. And what's really critical about that, Brad, is the, the thermals. Um, you know, how do you share that uh, cross, uh, call it heat dissipation between the CPU and GPU? Because you need to know the, the range of that uh, up upswing and downswing in power to give more performance to one or the other. But um, I don't think there, maybe in the near future, we, you won't see anything like that, but uh, we continue to, you know, Frank and his team continue to investigate that. How else we can bring SmartShift to desktop um, and could it work? And um, how do you share that across the thermal profile between the CPU and GPU? It's, uh, it'd be a funky challenge, but it'd be something uh, interesting if we could figure it out. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, lower end hardware, uh, Kozadu says, uh, oh no, I'm sorry, uh, 8V asked, um, Green is relaunching old cards. Uh, is there any possibility of Red relaunching an RX 59, uh, 590 or any other awesome classics? Um, we are not focused on launching old cards, <laughs> relaunching. <laughs> um, we're, fo- we're focused on putting almost all of our supply on the new generation. Now, we still have um, uh, old cards that you could potentially buy, depending upon the region, uh, 590s, 580s, 570s. Um, they are definitely almost all sold out, I think, worldwide. Uh, we're going to continue to try to fill some of that demand. You'll, you'll probably see in some retailers and retail stores us trying to get more of that out there because it's still on our roadmap. We haven't replaced that with RDNA2 yet. But once we replace it with RDNA2, we, we move, we're going to be moving away from it. We'd rather focus on getting gamers the latest generation technology, the latest performance and features as much as possible and, uh, and not look back. That's our, that's our strategy. Uh, I have a very pointed one from uh, R Debt Management. Uh, says, uh, any chance you would ask uh, if there is there any chance uh, that? Hold on, sorry, it's worded. Uh, uh, oh, they're asking about a BIOS update to um, release for the sixty-seven hundred XT that would update to two fifty-six bit instead of one one ninety-two bit. They're confused about that decision. Uh. BIOS update? No, um, no, it's it's, it's limited. Yeah, it's limited in the hardware for one ninety two bit. Yeah, um, yeah, and the whole reason they do that is because of Infinity Cache, right? You guys do that. Right. Infinity Cache makes it so you guys don't need to use two hundred and fifty six bit bus, and that gives you guys power savings on top of it with no effective loss in performance. It's a great fourteen forty p graphics card. Brad nailed it. Good job. Thanks. <laughs> okay. Uh, can, can I ask uh, a fact? Oh, you want to go, go? Go for it. I was going to ask if any concerns about fab constraints going into the next 12 months. I mean, uh, TSMC uh, seems like it's hard to get any. It's like getting into a, a really good nightclub right now. Any concerns that they're just going to be oversubscribed even even more in the next 12 months? Any hints that you can give <clears> us? I never thought about TSMC being in a nightclub, but um, that's a funny one. Um, what I would say is they've been, they've been great partners. Um, I think that... Uh, from the demand that we're trying to drive and at, a, at uh, the graphics level anyway, we're, we've been receiving great support from them and uh, we continually work well together. And um, I, I think that that relationship is going fantastic. And uh, what I would say is uh, there might be some other external constraints affecting supply, but it's uh, from a TSMC perspective with graphics anyway, it's been a great partnership. And let me just add, it's because Scott never gets turned away at the nightclub, but they're not <laughs> no, letting me pass that room. They're true. like, whoa, whoa, you're not getting in here. 
Are you I a star? Think, no. No, no. Scott Harkerman, when you hey, show up, VIP coming in. Let him right uh, in. I think if you show up to a nightclub with a gaming shirt like I always wear, I think you definitely get rejected. <laughs> it's, it's definitely not my cup of tea. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> uh, we got another pointed question from uh, Dayton Carter. Uh, will uh, AMD be improving OpenCL and DX9 performance? Thank you, Dayton. Um, <clears throat> will we be improving OpenCL? Yes. Um, that continues to be a focus area, OpenCL and OpenCL workloads. Uh, we're not at the best at it yet today, so let's just be very transparent. Uh, I think we have some optimization to do there. Um, DX9 um, specific games, we are really focused on, call it AAA games that launch with DX11 that are coming out or have come out recently but definitely DX12 games going forward. Now, saying that in uh, our, our partner countries like, like China, um, there are a lot of new games that launch with older APIs that we'll continue to optimize. Um, but you know, uh, our, our view and our resource uh, that we apply to games is really on recent announced DX11 games and going forward DX12 games. It just will work better with our architecture. Uh, more gamers tend to play those games than they do older games. Um, so you'll continue, continue to see, see us focus on DX11 and, and more specifically DX12. But, but, but to be direct, yes, OpenCL, we, we want to continue to optimize that. And um, I think there needs to be a, an industry solution for OpenCL workloads um, for the professional users in the marketplace, uh, for data centers, for workstation users. There has to be a revitalized uh, plan for the industry to how to take on OpenCL. So that way it's not one standard competing against others or one vendor solution competing against others. Um, but that is probably the next thing that the industry needs to take on is how do we get professional users of GPUs uh, a better option uh, and a better choice from a hardware perspective if they have a more open uh, solution for compute. I didn't realize that uh, DirectX 9 was still being used in new titles. Whenever I think DirectX 9, I think, you know, esports titles that have been around for a while and getting already insane performance rates. Are there new games coming out that are very performance intensive to begin with on DX9? Mm -hmm. Not that I know of on DX9, but it, it is a very big, um, like if you're, uh, if you're a gamer in China right now, mm -hmm. there's still quite a few games on DX9 and some esports games still support it. So when there's optimizations to be had for those esports games, when, when we take a look at like how many gamers, how many hours are playing on these games, um, there are a few uh, DX9 games that have quite a bit of usage from gamers around the world and we will prioritize those if we can. But most of the optimizations for these older APIs are already in. Um, they're already in our architecture, they're already in our software driver. So expect very little performance increase if that game has been out for a while. I would, you know, from our perspective is we've pretty much squeezed the blood out of the tournament, turnip. Uh, but going forward is probably the best bang of the buck for DX11 and DX12 titles for us to optimize for. Yeah, that makes sense because DX9 has been out forever at this point. I would think all the optimizations would be in there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, hey, um, so any, oh, good. Go ahead. I sorry I I can't see the screen here but Scott I I'm kind of wondering maybe I'm I'm being a little too optimistic but are we approaching near the end of the the bubble because you know as we get into warmer climates as as vaccines get into more arms around the world are we going to see this insane pent up demand for GPUs sort of tear off because people just want to go outside and kick a ball around instead? Or does it look like that just may be here to stay because people have discovered PC gaming suddenly? <clears throat> well, I think, um, I don't know. I, I don't have a crystal ball. By the way, if I had a crystal ball, I, 
I'd be working on Wall Street. Um, yeah. But um, what I would say is that um, I don't know. Uh, it depends upon uh, a few things in my mind if this crazy demand environment continues to be this way, which is something you just mentioned. Is there, I think for the last year, we've all been wanting relief from just staying at home and, and gaming is a fantastic outlet uh, for gamers to be able to do something that makes them happy, which is awesome. Um, but then there's this mining thing going on, I think with Ethereum and Bitcoin and all these other, you know, there's thousands of cryptocurrency coins. You know, one of the key things that I think the industry needs is that Ethereum to drop down to call it $600 or less. Once it does that, I think all those guys go away. And so um, I think there's a few things that need to happen. We need to kind of wait and see, which is what's going to happen um, for this really weird cryptocurrency period of time. And then as well as, um, you know, will people want to enjoy something else in their life? But right now, I think people are still kind of in the mode of I, I, I'm enjoying my gaming experience. I think we've, more people than ever have been brought into their gaming experience this last year because they're buying new, new PCs and new hardware. Uh, which is fantastic. Um, but I'm not sure if that will be relieved by the middle of this year or the end of this year. Um, and so our plan is just to keep producing more GPUs just in case that demand continues to be strong. So what I'm hearing is if you want the GPU crunch to end, don't buy NFTs. Uh, oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I got two really interesting uh, questions about... Um... Uh, pricing. Uh, Drew Reesbutter uh, started off by saying, uh, why was the $480 MSRP price point chosen? It's a worrying trend that generational performance increases more and more often now come with generation price, generational price increases. Yeah, a couple things about that. And we've, we've been um, debating this for quite a while internally. Uh, first of all, we have more memory on the graphics card for the 6700 XT than our competitors. So that's, that's something that we have to price for. Um, and then Lastly is that I would say about the price positioning that we have, we think it's a, you know, if you look at the modern titles and you look at titles that are going to be launching in the, in the coming months, but more specifically the ones that are launching now, or maybe in the last year, this graphics card competes exceptionally well. And especially when you turn on all of our features, smart access memory with our CPU team, um, you turn on anti-lag and radeon boost, all those things really give you a good amount of performance for current generation and going forward games. So, and then of course you couple that with our memory, uh, advantage that we have, I think we're setting ourselves up well for the future. Now, that's one explanation. The, the second reason why is we, we're also looking at the industry and what's going on. And there, there are cost headwinds because of this demand situation coming at all of our partners that um, we need to make sure that we don't tell you an SCP that we know can't be hit. Um, I can tell you now that we can hit SCP on AMD.com through the end of this year at 479. Um, and that's currently what's going on in the supply situation. Um, for example, um, even leading up to this launch, some of our add-in board partners are saying that they're just the shipping of their graphics card has gone up 3X per unit um, just to get the product into your hands. And so um, given this crazy demand environment, everybody's trying to get products faster. And so we have to kind of you know, balance what we commit and then at the same time, how we help our partners out so they can get you a product profitably as well as make sure they can get you supply consistently. And so all those things went into this, uh, this pricing factor that you see here. But the biggest one for me was committing on amd.com through the rest of this year to have that right at SCP and one that I can commit to and be, uh, make sure that we can drive for the rest of this year. And, and those shipping costs are no joke. I'm hearing the same thing as you, obviously. Uh, just this past week, just to point out, I think it was Bloomberg and New York Times both ran different pieces talking about just how crazy the storage situation internationally is as a whole. Like things are piled up waiting. 
It's hard to get, they're shipping empty containers back to China to get stuff to come over here. And that adds a ton of cost to it. So like, it really is a super complicated situation. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly right, Brad. And, and um, given this weird time, I, I want affordable GPUs. <laughs> um, uh, it, I want to be able to compete normally. Um, I think that's where you'll see Radeon has really turned around. And then uh, we have a good product roadmap and we have a good product uh, uh, execution that we're going to, uh, we're entering into. And we started last year and we're going to continue this year. It would be better for everyone if it was a normal time frame because then we could show you what we can really do. And um, I think that uh, the most important thing for this launch is I need to hit SCP consistently and guarantee through the rest of this year for gamers to buy on amd.com that 479. So that was, that was the real reason why we set that SCP. And then, of course, our competitive advantages that we have with memory capacity and some of our features that we're putting into there uh, also is part of that positioning as well. Memory, uh, the 12 gigabytes of memory, uh, these days you're not seeing many games yet going beyond 8 gigabytes, but you are definitely already seeing some games go beyond 8 gigabytes, which is what your competitor cards carry, 8 gigabytes. So the Infinity Cache and the 12 gigabytes of memory, between the two of those, if you buy this card, you're never going to have to worry about memory constraints at 1440p, which I think is great, especially with the consoles now having 16 gigabytes of memory. So I think memory demands are going to go up. They've been going up a lot the last couple of years anyway. I think now that the consoles have more memory, we're going to see that trend continue. So I applaud that it has more memory in it. Thank you. Uh, Appreciate to, that. To follow up on that pricing thing, a friend of the show, VC, VC Jester, asked an interesting question. Uh, does comparing cards based on their MSRP versus performance, uh, is that even relative these days, considering the wild west of pricing? Yeah, I would, you know, my immediate reaction is no. <clears throat> I, I want to put out there a good competitive SCP product. Um, but even leading up to this, I was looking at our competitor it, just last night, our competitors price points online, and they're absolutely silly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I would say is, um, I think it's tough for reviewers. I think the reviewers have a really tough job this year doing any competitive comparisons or, or covering any launches. Um, ultimately, um, our competitor and ourselves, we don't control beyond our own website pricing. And so, uh, there's only so much we can, uh, promise, but as long as we can promise you on our, our own website that you can buy the graphics card when it's in stock, I think that's that's the best we can do. But um, I do think that right now it's a weird time to evaluate SCPs. That, that was actually, this is one of my longest reviews I think I've ever written because it was, it is really complicated and it is really, you know, complex and frustrating times. And in a vacuum, 480, as I said in my review, I'm sure you read it, uh, is, is a little bit much. But considering what the card is today and all these things going on, I, I think it's a totally fine price point. And I dedicated probably five, six, 700 words in my intro explaining all this because people need to know this today. And I regret having to put a numerical value on uh, the review that I did because I think these days trying to rate things just based off MSRP and performance is, is incredibly difficult, but we have to draw the line in the sand somewhere. But it's really important to make sure people understand why these things are the prices that they are these days. Yeah, and I, I I'm with you there because I, I I read a review this morning that I was I was really one of the you know the 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 it said like well it's 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 faster than a 3060 Ti and it's it's you know it's slower than a 3070 but you know it's but it's more expensive but it's like I couldn't understand how the reviewer came to that decision because clearly 
3070 and 3060 Ti are not selling anywhere near what the the recommended pricing is. So I don't I don't even know how anybody came to any of the cons- decisions in some of these reviews. So I'm glad I'm not reviewing GPUs myself. I, I really regret having to put a numerical score on it. I really wish I didn't have to. I'm not going to be doing custom reviews anymore with review scores until all this ends because I don't think it's it's fair to anybody. I have okay. I have a very important question for for Scott. When you go fishing, the best the best method is to learn when they restock all the salmon in the lake. <laughs> so people have asked me, do you know when AMD.com will restock parts? Like say uh, tomorrow. Oh, every but week. I mean. When six a.m. on Wednesday, or well, you know, I, um, by the way, I, I try to read every Twitter private message sent to me, and um, I don't. You know, the bots are so sophisticated that we don't want to give them a heads up um, and triple the attacks on everybody's websites and even our own. Um, and so, I know it's a horrible thing to say, "Hey, just check back," but our commitment is every week we want to refresh with stock, um, and then. Uh, as best of our ability, make sure that it's there as long as possible so you have a chance. Um, we are selling out instantly every time we put stock online. Uh, with, e- even though we're putting considerable amount of stock online, it sells out almost instantly. So I think if you go to even YouTube, you can see these weird uh, videos of they're just tracking uh, AMD.com and other retail, retail websites when stock shows up. And so um, you know, our goal is from now until the end of this year, every week, just continually refreshing our stock uh, to make it available for gamers. And then you'll also, like I mentioned at the very beginning, you know, we're, we're working with our retail partners um, to make them physically available in store. So we're starting with Micro Center. We're going to see how this goes. Um, we're gonna, we want to expand that to other retailers because you don't fight bots unless they're human bots uh, at a retail store. So we're going to see how this rollout goes with Micro Center. If it works well and it's well received, I think we're going we're gonna to work with our retail and retail partners worldwide to figure out how else we can put goods in-store physical because um, now that COVID restrictions are releasing, uh, it's hopefully safe as long as it's a safe environment. That's something that we want to encourage if it's a, at all possible doable uh, worldwide. I want to make myself a shirt that says human bot now, by the way. Human bot. <laughs> human bot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, any other questions uh, before <laughs> yeah. we wrap it up here? Uh, I got no. We've had ones. we've had Scott for a while. I, I know. I right? appreciate all your time. If we yeah. have any couple last things, I don't want to hold you all day. I, I I got a couple fun ones. Yes, thank you for coming by. Yeah, we, we like to ask the fun ones at the yeah. end. Uh, <laughs> uh, David Richards asked, uh, "Is Scott a dog or a cat person?" Ooh, David, dog. Uh, okay. Definitely well, I'm yep, then we're going to get out of here. Sorry. We'll see you later. Sorry, internet. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 no, uh, <laughs> and then uh, Tech Tech Potato just had to get one last question in. Uh, Dr. Ian with the hard-hitting question said, uh, Scott, can you play Wonderwall on that guitar behind you? Uh, no. Um, I I used to play for many years, and then I stopped. Um, but, uh, I'm not that good, Ian, but, uh, hopefully you are and you can tell me, you can give me some lessons, but I'm not that good, honestly. Okay. Now we, now I we play know. violin. Not well anymore. I haven't touched it in a few years, but yeah, I play violin. My 10 year old daughter has a little one to match. Really? Do you play violin really well, Brad? No, terribly. Absolutely oh. awful. <laughs> no, I'm an enthusiast, not a, not a professional. <laughs> I have no musical capability whatsoever, but I will say at a previous employer, it felt like every single person, I don't know what it is with media, but every single person was 
was in a band or wanted to be in a band. So my goal one of these days is just to be able to play the violin as a fiddle good enough that on a St. Patrick's Day like today, I can just wander down the street with a beer playing the fiddle down Main Street or whatever. Life goals. Yeah, <laughs> I would like to see that, Brad. I would definitely <laughs> like to see that. Uh, uh, one very last one. Uh, people were asking about that RDNA t-shirt. Where, where can they get that? I think it's available on AMD.com. I'll have to go check. I thought we, we put them up um, on AMD.com. And if not, I'll make sure it is. Merch. You got have. You're in your gamer chair. You got your merch. You're all. You're all set there. Yeah, Brad. Your next review has to be gaming chairs. By the way, I think Gordon, <laughs> you got to set them up because it's really hard to find a good gaming chair. Or we just all suffer with office chairs. But um, it would be. It would be good. It would be a good review. It's a lot of money to buy these things. It really is. <laughs> yeah. I. You know. I. They're all sort of styled on. You know, racing chairs like Recaros and and. Uh, spark what the whatever the spark or whatever it is but i don't think they're quite built quite the same but i doubt yeah no i think uh my next chair is going to be a lot more cushiony that's for sure <laughs> if this covid world continues to exist and me sitting here all day i think i need a little bit more comfy comfiness. i i think i'm making my own cushion so uh <laughs> i sit in my chair long enough so okay <laughs> Nice. All right, let's get out of here. <laughs> All right, so check back for us next week. Ugh, I really am off today. Check back next week for your fix of PC Talk on the Full Nerd. For our audio listeners, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Send questions and comments to the Full Nerd at PCWorld.com, and also please leave a review on one of the services. Services every time you do. Um, Someone buys a gaming chair. Okay, I got nothing there. Thanks for coming. I'm Gordon Ung with Brad Charkis. Adios, y'all. Very special guest, Scott Herkelman of AMD. Thanks, guys. Nice talking to you. And Adam Patrick Murray's going to hit the off switch. Uh, as always, great to have you here, Scott. Uh, we will see everybody later.